to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Russ Belleville Show. The voice of the marijuana nation. It's like marijuana ought to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, March 31st, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode number 917, and coming up on today's show, in the news, marijuana use by adults in their home has been effectively decriminalized in South Africa. In our Cannabis Focus, we take a look at the last eight states with absolute marijuana prohibition. In drug war data mining, California marijuana dispensaries are pulling products after a local news team discovers pesticide-laced pot. In the wide world of weed, we chat with Jules Stobbs and Myrtle Clark, the DACA couple, for their reaction to South Africa's decrim day. And in the radical rant, I show you how to succeed at trolling prohibitionists with six-second sound bites. Then in hour two, we look back at the racism of early marijuana journalism. But first, let's get to the news. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News. This is your Cannabis Headline News for Friday, March 31st, 2017. While the country of South Africa is caught up in full cabinet reshuffle madness, this morning the Western Cape High Court passed a landmark ruling declaring that it is an, quote, infringement to ban the use of Dhaka by adults in private homes, end quote. News 24 reports that the application to decriminalize Dhaka, as cannabis is called in South Africa, was brought to the court by Dhaka party leader Jeremy Acton and Rastafarian Gareth Prince. The Drugs and Drug Trafficking Act make it a crime to possess the drug in South Africa unless it is for certain legitimate medical reasons. The High Court ruled that the South African Constitution's right to privacy means that police have no legitimate reason to go after people growing and consuming Dhaka in their own homes. Democratic Texas Representative Beto O'Rourke kicked off his long-shot bid to unseat Republican Senator Ted Cruz on Friday, vowing an unscripted and unconventional campaign that could catch voters' imagination at a moment when Democrats are eager to go on offense against the Trump administration. The 44-year-old third-term congressman took shots at Cruz, who finished second to Donald Trump in last year's Republican presidential primary, saying the state needs, quote, a senator working full-time for Texas, end quote, rather than, quote, serving his own interests, end quote, running for president and helping lead a government shutdown in 2013. Picking off Cruz would be a formidable challenge in Republican-friendly Texas, where no Democrat has won statewide since 1994, and O'Rourke will be the acknowledged underdog in the race. He pledged to campaign without pollsters, consultants, or PAC money, and may have trouble getting much attention from a national party focused on defending 10 Senate Democrats who are up for re-election next year in the states that Trump won. 
Backers of a successful North Dakota citizen initiative to allow marijuana to be used as medicine said Thursday they still aren't happy with new rules governing its use, despite a major rewrite by lawyers. Fargo financial planner Riley Ray Morgan headed the initiative campaign and said another citizen initiative is still possible if the current bill stands. A big sticking point is restrictions on smoking marijuana as medicine. The bill passed by the Senate allows patients to smoke it only if a physician finds no other form of marijuana would help. A House committee has taken out that provision, but a doctor, or now a nurse practitioner, must still recommend smoking marijuana as medicine for people who suffer from some diseases. Morgan said no medical professional would ever recommend smoking anything. The bipartisan bill is removing provisions that would have allowed growing marijuana as medicine as well. The Maryland House of Delegates is expected today to vote on a measure that would allow opiate addicts to have access to medical marijuana to help cope with detoxing symptoms and possibly kick their addiction. It would alter the list of ailments that doctors use when considering whether a patient should receive medical marijuana by adding opioid use disorder as one of the accepted conditions. The proposal was added as an amendment earlier this month after a committee hearing on the broader bill that is aimed at making changes to the state's medical cannabis program. This all comes after Governor Larry Hogan declared a state of emergency in response to Maryland's continuing problems with heroin and opioid addiction. Delaware took a major step Thursday toward becoming the ninth state to legalize recreational marijuana use. State legislators unveiled a bill that would allow state residents 21 and older to purchase up to an ounce of cannabis from dozens of stores that would be authorized to sell marijuana manufactured at a number of Delaware grow operations. Representative Helene Keeley, a Democrat of South Wilmington, and fellow chief sponsor, State Senator Margaret Rose Henry, a Democrat of Wilmington, Estimate legalized recreational marijuana could generate $22 million in tax revenue for Delaware. A poll conducted by the University of Delaware last year found that more than 60% of state residents support full legalization of marijuana. This has been your Cannabis Headline News for Friday, March 31st, 2017. I'm Russ Belville. In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, The Russ Belleville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Oh, hi everybody, it's me, Mr. Belleville. And you know, when you're in the entertainment business, you have to be traveling coast to coast all the time. Say, Mr. Bill, you've got a long trip ahead of you. You'll need something to help keep you awake. Well, I've been really trying to cut down on my coffee lately. Then how about some drugs? Oh, no! Oh, come on, try some. So remember, kids, say, Oh, no! Two drugs. This has been the Russ Belleville Show's anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Exclusively on RadicalRust.com. Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. 
All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show. Half of what we spend on law enforcement, half of what we spend on the courts, and half of what we spend on the prisons is drug-related. And to what end? You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. July 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consumed cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Normal. Cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. When we last checked in on the United States of America, it was comprised of eight states and D.C. that had legalized adult use and medical use marijuana, another 20 states that had legalized medical use marijuana, and another 13 that had legalized medical use cannabidiol oil leaving us just eight states, Alabama, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Nebraska, South Dakota, and West Virginia that punish any person who has any form of marijuana for any reason. Which one of these hateful eight states will be the last U.S. state to stand firm on what I call absolute marijuana prohibition? At the rate state legislatures are taking up the issue of medical use marijuana, we may not have that long to wait to find out. Now, if you've been listening to me for a long time, you may be surprised when I mention eight states remaining with absolute marijuana prohibition, because in the past I've mentioned how there are six states remaining with absolute marijuana prohibition. But in doing some further research today, I've discovered that South Dakota and Alabama have been trying to fool us. In March of 2014, Utah became the first state to pass a law allowing children with severe epilepsy to use a low THC cannabidiol oil or CBD oil. But Alabama was the second state to do so just a couple weeks later on April 1st, 2014. And then a cascade of other states followed. And since then... Alabama is routinely considered among these so-called CBD states that allow parents to acquire cannabidiol oil somewhere out of state like Colorado and then bring it back without any fear of prosecution. But unlike the other states that allow CBD, Alabama's law states, quote, a prescription for the possession or use of cannabidiol, CBD, as authorized by this act, shall be provided exclusively by the University of Alabama at Birmingham Department for a debilitating epileptic condition, end quote. And 
prescription is the word that killed medical marijuana laws from 1979 to 1991. Doctors' prescriptions fall under federal law. And since marijuana is a Schedule I controlled substance, no physician can write such a prescription. That's why the states that recognize medical use marijuana and cannabidiol rely on the word recommendation. And oddly enough, Louisiana was the last state of five in 1991 to make the mistake of using the word prescription, only to make the same exact mistake again in a cannabidiol oil law in 2015. (laughs) So Louisiana's got a medical law, but it's worthless because nobody's going to write a prescription and lose their DEA prescribing license. So the same thing is going on here in Alabama. Since no physician can prescribe cannabidiol, no patient possessing CBD oil in Alabama is protected because that can't possibly be a CBD oil that was prescribed by an Alabama physician. And a similar mistake was made in a recent law that was signed on March 17th in South Dakota. The governor there signed a law that allows patients to possess CBD oil once it has been approved by the FDA, which of course has not approved it yet. So these laws in Alabama and South Dakota, they're only slightly better than nothing because they would kick in and allow in-state use of FDA-approved prescribable cannabidiol products like, say, GW Pharmaceuticals soon-to-be-approved Epidiolex. So they would provide that small advantage. They'd be able to get a head start on the other states. And, And just barely better than that are the CBD oil laws in Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Those laws say that CBD oil can only be acquired through a study at a state university. So going to Colorado and just bringing back some CBD oil might not qualify under those laws. Meanwhile, over in West Virginia, they've got a proposal to legalize medical marijuana in a state ravaged by the opiate epidemic, and it is flying through the legislature. The bill passed the Senate, and in a rare move, The House of Delegates yesterday voted 54 to 40 with six abstentions to move the bill straight to the floor and bypass the usual committee process. The House held its first reading this afternoon and has scheduled a second reading for Monday. And amazingly enough, this bill would not only create a dispensary system complete with 15 licensed growers, but it would also be the first medical marijuana bill passed by a legislature in over a decade that allows all patients to cultivate their own cannabis plants. You combine that with a qualifying condition list that includes the standards, you know, pain, nausea, seizures, spasm, cachexia, cancer, and HIV AIDS, but also includes anxiety, PTSD, and hospice care. With all that, West Virginia could soon have the best medical marijuana law in the Eastern time zone. Now, as far as other states that are moving forward, some of those other all prohibition states all the time, over in the state of Kansas, a panel in their Senate okayed a medical cannabis bill. This was just on March 10th. This one uh, is, is cannabidiol oil. It would allow... 
12 plants and six ounces of cannabis. Uh, that was a bill that was rejected. But the second bill was non-intoxicating cannabinoid medicine with a doctor's recommendation. Now, they're not defining what non-intoxicating is, but it would work out to be CBD oil. So Kansas could finally end up with a CBD oil bill. In the state of Nebraska, another one of the states that still maintains absolute marijuana prohibition, there was a bill that was testified on just this week for medical cannabis in the state of Nebraska. Doctors would be able to prescribe it for conditions such as cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, ALS, Crohn's disease, and seizure disorders. It would be limited to liquid pill, topical cream, lotion, or suppository forms. So it would be another one of these medical cannabinoid bills where you can't actually get marijuana in your hands, nor be able to grow it. But again, Nebraska is moving forward, looking to leave that very small and shrinking club of absolute prohibition states. In the state of Indiana, this was back in February, their house had passed a medical marijuana bill for epilepsy, passed their house chamber 98 to nothing. The state Senate previously approved a similar measure. It would be just a CBD oil bill, again, very limited. But this is the farthest that a medical marijuana bill has ever advanced in the state of Indiana. And then uh, as we look at the other states, South Dakota is currently looking at initiatives, one initiative to legalize outright, another one to create a medical marijuana program in the state. So currently, we are looking at just Louisiana and Idaho as the states that remain without positive movement forward in ending their absolute marijuana prohibition. Idaho may be slightly farther ahead, slightly further ahead, given that they have a proposed initiative for 2018, hasn't yet been submitted and gathering petitions as far as I understand, may be incorrect on that. So in the race for states that will be the last to maintain absolute marijuana prohibition, the money today would be on West Virginia to be the next state out of that group of eight to be leaving the ranks of absolute prohibition. Kansas, Nebraska, and Indiana moving forward as well. South Dakota and Idaho, perhaps some sort of citizen initiative happening for 2018. And as far as I'm aware, nothing going on in the state of Louisiana. Again, Louisiana has a medical marijuana law that has the word prescription in it, so it's unworkable. And they've done that twice now. Other good news that we have, though, with respect to the cannabidiol states, is we now have three states of the CBD states that are moving forward with providing some sort of access to the CBD. Texas has recently passed a law that is going to mandate the creation of some CBD production centers. Missouri has done so. And recently, Virginia as well has moved forward with production of CBD so these parents don't have to become interstate drug traffickers in order to get the uh, medicine to help their epileptic children. And it's notable that of the CBD oil states, all of them require the CBD oil to have less than 1% THC, and it varies from state to state. Some of them are up to 0.9%, some of them are up to 0.3%, with the exception of three states, 
In the state of Iowa, your CBD oil can be up to 3% THC. And in the states of Georgia and Virginia, your CBD oil can be up to 5% THC. Delaware allows CBD oil up to 7% THC, but they have a medical marijuana law, so you can get as much THC as you like if you want to. What are you people? On dope? We'll have the complete breakdown of all the marijuana states of America. My spring update, if you've been following that map that I make, the multicolored map of all the different states, the new update will be out later today on WeedNews.co. Stay tuned when we come back. we got some drug war data mining, taking a look at pesticides in the Southern California dispensary plants. Not good, folks. Not good. You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs, we've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com. And follow Herb Age and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. We can do a lot of privatizations and private prisons. It seems to work a lot better. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they aiming to say that hey this is great man a public service message from the russ belleville show promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts science reason compassion evidence truth and logic on our side it's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at a report coming from NBC's Los Angeles affiliate, NBC4, entitled, Marijuana Dispensaries Pull Products After I-Team Investigation Discovers Pesticide-Laced Pot. And uh, this, uh, of course, is a big concern for those of us in the industry, those of us in reform, because every bit of bad news that comes out of the first few moments, the first few years of legalization uh, echoes so much louder than what we'll have 10, 20 years from now when it's just an accepted uh, industry where things happen right there there's there's product recalls in every industry there's safety issues in every industry and the marijuana industry is just one of them but as we are moving out of prohibition and into legalization all of these problems become ammunition for our opponents to throw against the next state that wants to legalize so we've definitely got to get our hands around this pesticide issue this contamination issue in the marijuana movement and uh, this is several uh, dispensaries that are pulling the product. Uh, The manager at Hollywood High Grade Dispensary found that at least three products there 
uh, contained pesticides. And they went to numerous uh, dispensaries. And here's the really troubling statistic for you. The I-Team, NBC4's investigative team, purchased 44 different products used for smoking and vaping marijuana from dispensaries across Southern California. 44 different products to test for vaping or for smoking. And out of those 44 products, they found 41 of them, 41 out of 43, had pesticide levels that would exceed the safety limits in some other states, making them ineligible for sale due to safety concerns. 41 out of 43, out of 44, excuse me. 41 out of 44, 93% of what they tested had unsafe pesticide levels on it in Southern California. Now, Lori Ajax, she is the director of California's new Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulation. And this will be the bureau that regulates all cannabis eventually. She said, quote, I think the goal of California is to make sure the public and patients have safe cannabis. And so I think it is important that we test the product and that we're testing for pesticides. End quote. And they list out, they've got the whole table here on the NBCLosAngeles.com website. Look under the iTeam tab if you're interested in it. And you can go through and find all of the different products that were uh, testing, that were failing these tests. Some of these pesticide ratings in some of these products are turning up at over 45,000 parts per billion. 45,000 parts per billion. And I don't know exactly how many parts per billion are allowed, but I'm guessing since, let's see, 700 parts per billion was a pass. (laughs) And what was the next lowest that was a, a pass here? Yeah, traces is one. Let's see, pass fail in the states. There we go. Traces, 700, 300. Yeah, so looks like anything above about 1,000 there is bad. And we've got some of these coming in at over 45,000 parts per billion. This one, uh, Mary Jane's from Bloom Farms. It was a Indica cartridge for uh, a vaporizer. They've got the lab reports linked on this, so you can uh, just look it up for yourself. And what they were finding, the two uh, pesticides, they were having a big problem, myclobutanil and pyrethrins, pyrethrins 2. This came out of Steep Hill Labs. It's an interesting table. It's an interesting set of information, and it's, it's sortable by all the different fields with links to all of the lab reports. And I'd encourage people to check this out at NBCLosAngeles.com investigations. I'll see if I can uh, paste this into our chat room if you want to follow along or pass this on to other folks. But uh, one of the reporters, uh, one of the uh, lab technicians, one of the, I'm sorry, one of the patients, Todd Gullion, of Orange County is uh, suffers from chronic back pain. And he says of the medical marijuana he used, quote, every morning you wake up and you've been hit in the head. It's affecting my balance a bit. My vision, my hearing literally shuts off. 
and he'd been vaping marijuana for his back pain. He started getting worse symptoms, severe symptoms, and came back for multiple pesticides. He says uh, when he asked the dispensary whether or not there are pesticides in it, he said they were a little insulted by that and was assured they were pesticides free. And of course, turned out not to be pesticide free, including containing that pesticide. Is it the microbutanil? The one that when it's heated up, gives off a similar gas to what was used in the uh, gas chambers in Nazi Germany. (laughs) So some bad stuff here. And of course, once testing regulations kick in and these growers and distributors start testing the pot, you're going to see a raise in the prices. You're going to see a restriction in the supply because this entire industry has been built up over time to not give a damn about pesticide contamination. And in fact, to kind of accept pesticides as part of the cost of doing business. you got a, a, a closet or a storeroom or a grow house where you're growing thousands of dollars worth of crop. you got to get the most bang for your buck and you can't be throwing stuff away just because it might have a little bit of spray on it. All right, stay tuned. We go to South Africa right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Get your tickets now for the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference happening one day only in Eugene, Oregon on Friday, April 28th. You'll learn all about the latest OLCC regulations for adult-use cannabis, including testing requirements, tech and branding, taxes and distribution, and the latest developments in medical marijuana regulations. OMBC features networking with Oregon's leading experts in marijuana, including State Senator Floyd Przanski. You'll also get to hear from author, actor, and punk rock icon Henry Rollins delivering the keynote address. Early bird pricing is available for conference only and VIP passes, which gets you access to the VIP networking events featuring Henry Rollins and other speakers. It's the 2017 Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Tickets available now at OregonMBC.com. That's OregonMBC.com before April 14th to get your early bird pricing. OregonMBC.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. I don't drink, I don't smoke pot, but I drink and I smoke pot. And I will tell you that there is a huge difference between marijuana and alcohol. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The global prohibition of cannabis is a crime against the planet committed primarily by the United States. But as more U.S. states reform their marijuana laws, countries around the world are stepping back from cannabis prohibition. Join us now for a look at the international cannabis reform movement in this edition of The Wide World of Weed. 
We have some great news that came to us uh, by way of South Africa today. The court in Cape Town deciding on a case that had to do with the decriminalization of Dacha, as they call cannabis down in South Africa. And joining us by way of Skype, we've got the Dacha couple, Myrtle Clark and Jules Stobbs, joining us. Welcome back to the show, Myrtle and Jules. Hello, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Russ. It's a very, very happy day for the people of South Africa. Give our listeners a, a basic uh, rundown of what this case was about and what it means to the people of South Africa. The case has got very broad-reaching effects in this country. It's been quite a monumental decision. It was the application was given uh, was was led by the leader of the Dacha Party, Jeremy Acton. And somebody who's not new to the constitutional court, to these challenges, he, uh, Ras Gareth Prince, a Rastafarian based in Cape Town, he took this challenge to the constitutional court in South Africa in 1999, and they told him to go. And he is now back 17 years later, and he has been vindicated with his judgment. And it's, it's not so much changed any of the drug laws per se, but what it has done is kicked in South Africa's very big and important privacy laws. Mm. So yeah, we what understood the that said, uh, South Africa, of course, changed their constitution uh, around the time of Nelson Mandela and the and the big yeah. uh, you know fight against apartheid and that big change that you had in that country. So in that new constitution that was drafted, then you have, I guess, a very strong privacy right, and that's what's going on in this particular case. Yes, you know our constitution is is world renowned. Because after 48 years of, of apartheid, we've now had 23 years of our new constitution. And it was formed after South Africa being possibly the only country in the world with a peaceful transition to democracy, from such terrible oppression to democracy. So when we were arrested in 2010, we took into account that we have a very strong judiciary, even to this day. Um, very strong judiciary, and we decided that we were going to fight our arrest through the courts and not politically, as has been done in the U.S. But you know what? I just have to point out before we go any further, today has got such deja vu yeah. because on the 7th of November last year, Trump was elected, and then I think it was six states made recre recreational marijuana legal, and that kind of was almost swept under the carpet. And Last night at two minutes after midnight, our president fired half the cabinet, including the finance minister. So the country has been in total turmoil today with, you know, our president is crazy. He's just like he's fast becoming a despot by the day in front of our very eyes. Okay. And on that same day, just as like what happened in America, cannabis was legalized for personal home use only. You know, that's. It's That's just amazing. amazing. Now, I've been thinking about that all day. <laughs> the, ju the judge has actually said that you can grow and consume as much as you like behind closed doors. That is what the judgment says. There is no limit on whatever you can do behind closed doors. And technically speaking, it's a Cape Town judgment. But it's such a powerful judgment because it was a bench of three judges. So now... We don't think that anybody anywhere else in the country would take that judgment on and try and prosecute anybody as a result of it. So it has opened the doors to our trial in July. As you know, we're probably we're going to go to the Constitutional Court ourselves with the same demands that we have a right to sovereignty and cognitive liberty, mm -hmm. just the same as this judgment. So we're hoping to actually 
open the flood doors and kick the doors down, smash them off the hinges, and it will be full legalization for one and all. Yeah, that, that, you was, know, we've always... that was my next question, was wondering how this affected yeah. your case. And so it does sound like this would be a precedent yes. that's going to help you out. Yeah. Mm. Most frequently asked question today, for sure. Yeah. You know, our phones are running off the hook. Every single radio station has said, well, how does it implicate your case? You know, we've always said, and our legal team has always said, at worst... Jeremy and Gareth's case down in Cape Town might just be a nagging itch, okay? But at best, they can tick some boxes for us. And that's exactly what they've done. And they've ticked the best boxes because now we just have to deal with the other three platforms. You know, we're going across the four platforms, so religious and traditional use and health uses and industrial uses and then responsible adult use. So they've... They've almost dealt with the responsible adult use. We've just have to apply that to a sort of broader thing so that we can get hemp legalized. Because remember, hemp's still completely in it. And, uh, Isn't medicine- that madness? Isn't yeah. that madness for us to this day that hemp is illegal because it looks like weed? Yeah, Man. It's, it's like making powdered sugar illegal because it looks like cocaine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, we've just had a, a little flurry in Parliament over medicine. And the Medicines Control Council has got a a bill, a new bill before Parliament. It's on the table. The comments actually close at midnight tonight for comments on that bill to do with medicine. But it is such a ridiculous draft bill that I know that they've got at least 2,000 30-page comments on their on their table. So we've just trumped them with their Schedule 7, which is the same as, um, you know, the most – crazy psychiatric medication they want to they want to put it into the same schedule Hmm. and only doctors no traditional healers so it's been busy in south africa it sure has blazing a trail the the third largest producer in the world oh that's why everybody's interested you know myrtle talked about the uh, the medical aspect of it in parliament it is the, the their draft bill has taken away everybody's powers except theirs and in the meeting in the closed door meeting that decided all of this no other than GW Pharmaceuticals are in the house. Mm. Yeah. They're there. Sniffing They're around. already sniffing around, those people. I nearly called them assholes, but I'm not going to. <laughs> very well said. That's a, <laughs> Trump, Trump has affected all our discourse, apparently. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the decision that happened today in Cape Town to make sure that our listeners are clear on this does not legalize DACA cannabis in, in South Africa. It's still illegal. Uh, even in your home, it's just that your right to privacy supersedes the right to cops to bust you for that exactly. in your home yes. it sounds That's a lot exactly like what happened in uh, alaska with the raven decision in 1975 actually, they had their constitutional right to privacy and the cops couldn't bust them for any i think is anything more than 25 plants and a quarter pound in the home but yours is without limits so that's even better right well yeah. you know it's a 66 page document and none of us have actually had time to look all the way through it including our legal department they have it for the weekend, and they're going to—they're they're jumping up and down with glee. They really are. They think it's an—it's a really great step in the right direction. And um, the, our social media SEOs today are off the scale. We've never known—it's unprecedented for us the amount of traffic that has been generated through us being right there to get a live video, putting the blog post out right there after the result, and actually playing the game as social media experts. And we've. Um, 
I don't know. We've probably reached 700,000 people today. That's fantastic. We hope this uh, interview helps you reach even... 700,001. Sorry, sorry. That's right. Even more. And uh, we're speaking with the DACA couple. That's uh, Jules Stobbs and Myrtle Clark from South Africa. And their case, of course, generated a lot of international uh, attention for their their fight to legalize adult use uh, like we're doing here in the States. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have this news. Uh, is there a route of appeal, a higher court that your opponents, that the, the, the people that want to keep prohibition that they could appeal to? I mean, what's the extent of this decision? Um, yes, we do have our Supreme Court of Appeal, um, but the, the decision was unanimous across the three judges on the bench. And the legal minds that were in court today uh, say that it's very unlikely that they will be able to go on appeal. Because one has to remember that in December when they had the hearing, you know, it wasn't a trial. They, they went by way of application in Cape Town, so it was all on paper. So the hearing was over um, a day in December. Um, the government gave an appalling, appalling defense. <laughs> and even then, even then you could look at the judge and he was just cringing for the state's advocate. So I think they'll also take that into account that the government were caught completely off guard. They thought, oh, these stupid stoners, they'll never get it together. And they sent unprepared legal teams. There was no experts involved. But actually today, the defendants in our case, the trial of the plant, they are due to uh, uh, file their experts' summaries. Today. Yeah, we got we got Bertha Madras's experts' summary today. Yeah, oh, she's coming to Sunday. Man, man, what a bullet that woman is! She is absolutely <laughs> of the opinion this stuff is not medical in any form, right? Unless unless it's a cannabinoid yes. and it's got a patent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's amazing what a barcode can do for the medical efficacy of cannabis, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Bertha so Madras, of course, for people that are listening, is a longtime prohibitionist here in uh, in in uh, uh, the United States. I think out of Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Just yes. terrible. So they they have to. I was going to say they have to import our uh, our reefer mad uh, officials to South Africa. You don't have your own down there that uh, speak up against this. There are, nobody really wants to take us on anymore. You know, when they bring us up for a chat show or something, it's kind of we always end up in the studio alone in the end. <laughs> nobody really wants because they're all arguing on the wrong side of history, including yeah. Bertha Madras. We actually saw her 32 page CV today. And the sun shines out of that. You're, it's amazing <laughs> what that woman seems to have achieved in her life. But she still thinks weed's not medical. Yeah, it's amazing. Unbelievable. Well, it's a, it's a, Unbelievable. a wonderful day She's in South Africa, up. I tell you. And it's so good to have met you and to, to know that this, uh, you're able to celebrate this over there. And, and we hope that this leads to even greater legalization in, in the country. Are there any, uh, is there legislation or, or a next step that people are planning on taking to follow up on this case? Uh, yes, well, I think that uh, what's going to happen is we've got our case starts on the 31st of July, and it's pretty much for the whole month of August. Uh, and so we bring our experts, the, the government bring their experts. Um, and then what we think will happen is that it will all go to the constitutional court together, because it's going to take at least 18 months from now to even get a date in the constitutional court. It's really, mm. it's really booked up. So that's what we think will happen. 
Um, but in the meantime, we are preparing crazily for, for the trial. Our experts are booked. Everything is going well. And we're speaking at the Harm Reduction Conference in Montreal in May. Fantastic. So we're flying news. to the Northern Hemisphere again. Oh, that's yeah. great news. Glad to, glad to hear that. And uh, so that timeline, if my math is correct, maybe by 2020 we get legalization throughout South Africa? Uh, yeah, maybe yes. a little bit early. It's, it's, it's okay. on track. It, today, today, what we got was a serious bit of decriminalization. It really was. Let's but, make it 2019. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a general election in 2019. There's going to be fireworks before then. This is a very, very volatile place at the moment. Yes. You can feel it. It's perceptible. The place is good. It's like a powder keg. Mm. And now the rand has been stripped 7% overnight. Our currency is worth 7% less now than it was this term time last night because of the way the president has just fired all the people who were trying to put it right. And now what he's done is put his cronies in place and they're just going to suck this country dry. Wow. Corru- and we'll fill it up again with weed. <laughs> that, that's what we'll have to do. And uh, I think by 2019, I can save up enough money for a flight to Johannesburg. So we'll make that happen. Oh, come for the trial. Why don't you come for the trial in August? You oh. can come and stay at our farm. In August? Okay. Uh, we'll put up a GoFundMe. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, happy decrim day. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Russ. Bye. 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 See you. Bye. Bye. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. I think it would be a mistake to legalize. Okay, well, maybe you're high, too. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. 
total war against public and public number one. Ten federal criminal penalties for up to one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a Cheech and Chong show. Encourage people to use less drugs. I am ill. That was the point. I think we'd be a mistake to leave the Negative reports coming out of Colorado. After a decade of trolling prohibitionists for a living, I've come to recognize some of their most common arguments. Through the clever misuse of statistics and weasel words, they've mastered the arts of fear, obfuscation, and doubt better than a middle school Sean Spicer delivering an oral report on a book he didn't read. They've been quite successful at the propaganda game. Yes, we've rolled up a few marijuana legalization victories over the past five years, and we've cemented this nation's support for medical use of cannabis. But they've managed to keep cannabis prohibited with the same ferocity as heroin nationally and in 40 states for 80 years this October. Even industrial hemp. A crop harvested by our forefathers' enslaved African workforce centuries ago is treated under the law like a deadly narcotic. Marijuana reform is kind of like the Chicago Cubs. We're pretty good these past few years, but there were a whole lot of losing seasons before that. And we go pretty good with a deep-dish pizza. Since Keith Strop first formed Normal and put pressure on states to decriminalize marijuana in the wake of the Schaefer Commission's report recommendation in 1972, we can attack the prohibition of marijuana as the failed policy it so obviously is. Our opponents had nothing to attack but the uncertainty of what marijuana legalization might bring, not what it was. We could fight them with arrest statistics, criminal justice costs, patient suffering, and the best rock and roll ever recorded. And all they could fight back with were imaginary scares about the gateway theory, stone drivers, what about the children, and disco fever. Now, however, with legalization in its infancy, for the first time, our prohibitionist opponents get to play some offense. They have results from state legalization programs they can attack. And with Attorney General and Sling Blade Hobbit Jeff Sessions just a hankering to make America great again by transporting us back to the Nancy Reagan Just Say No 1980s, they're going to push these critiques of legalization hard. How we respond could shape whether legalization unfolds quickly and thoroughly across the nation in a way that benefits everyone, like smartphones, or whether it gets as full of junk, overtaxed, and hyper-regulated as cable TV. In our hectic media landscape, I counsel activists to heed a six-second soundbite rule. If you get a chance to be interviewed on TV... The best you can hope for is them using about six seconds of whatever it is you're telling them. So don't belabor the point. Find a way to say what you want with impact in just six seconds. Twitter is a great resource for practicing this. 
because its limit of 140 characters forces you to compose your responses in those short, effective bursts. One of the benefits that the prohibitionists get is the default frame that drugs are bad, okay? So when a statistic about marijuana goes up, they can just point at it and grunt. After legalization, this went up. Mmm, bad. For instance, just this morning, prohibitionist group and rejected title for a sitcom about an android boy, Project Sam, offered a tweet today about Washington State's poison control stats that stated, quote, Since Washington legalized marijuana in 2012, they've seen a 90% uptick in pot-related calls to state poison control centers. To which I responded from my parody account, at Smart Approaches, quote, Since Washington legalized marijuana... People are more honest with doctors about what made them and their kids sick. See, the key to beating back any claim by prohibitionists about what marijuana legalization has done is to note how marijuana's prohibition artificially skewed the statistics. It's like comparing the steroid-enhanced, surgically-repaired 21st-century baseball pitchers to early 20th century pitchers who had only to throw against the white guys. The statistics aren't quite comparable in a fair context. So, yes, it is true that there are more calls to poison control centers for marijuana ingestion since legalization, but that's because telling your doctor your kid got into the stash or you ate too many pot cookies no longer earns you a visit from the cops and Child Protective Services. We can never know how many cases of alleged food poisoning under prohibition were really people who'd overdosed on marijuana. There's a similar response when a prohibitionist notes that, quote, the teen perception of risk from marijuana smoking has declined. No, the teen understanding of the truth about marijuana has increased. Under Prohibition, the teens were fed with lies that marijuana was your brain in a frying pan making you a lazy, sterile heroin junkie with man boobs. When the teens found out that marijuana is a medicine that helps their grandma's glaucoma and their cousin's cancer and Michael Phelps win the most gold medals ever, they were bound to think it was less risky than what McGruff the crime dog said it was. And another prohibitionist favorite these days is when they say, since legalization, the number of victims in car crash fatalities has increased. Well, the key here is attacking the thin premise of what a marijuana-related fatality car crash means. It means merely the presence of THC in a victim, not whether they were impaired or even at fault in the crash. You could be someone who smoked a joint yesterday or sitting in the passenger seat of someone's car going through a green light who's T-boned by a driver coming and violating a red light 
and you would be considered a marijuana in uh, marijuana related fatality because of the THC detected in your system. When you had nothing to do with whether or not that caused the wreck, you weren't even driving at the time. When you get that, I've responded with, well, on St. Patrick's Day, the number of victims in green clothing-related fatal car crashes triples. Or sometimes I'll use, well, since marriage equality passed, the number of victims of gay marriage-related fatal car crashes has increased. Yes, of course you're finding more victims of car crashes that have THC in their system because it's no longer a crime for people to have THC in their system. The big talking point being pushed these days is the one about big marijuana. Oh no, like big tobacco, the marijuana industry is pushing addiction, addiction for profit, with lies and marketing to the kids. Well, fighting this guilt by association attack is done by breaking the association. Big Tobacco had to lie and entice kids because its product is toxic and addictive. That's the first six-second soundbite. I follow that up with, adults won't take up something that makes them choke, but kids trying to be popular might... Then I follow that with a pivot to this second six-second soundbite. In the past decade, we've gone from three teen tokers for every two senior tokers to the same three teens for six seniors. And then I conclude with a six-second soundbite. Legalization doesn't boost teen use. They already had a hookup. But senior use has tripled because now they have a store. Activists... Get your six-second sound bites ready and practice them in front of a mirror. You never know what event you might attend where suddenly there's a reporter with a camera there asking you to comment on legalization. And if you think practicing is silly or making up pre-scripted lines to deliver is silly or that you'll never be the person that's asked or have a chance to ever do this, keep in mind that Our opponents are doing this. They are practicing this every day. I guarantee you. I have watched Kevin Sabet and Patrick Kennedy and so many other prohibitionists give interview after interview, article after article, op-ed after op-ed, where you see the same damn phrase, the same damn talking points, time after time. In this new era of a Trump administration that is hostile to the idea of drug law reform, marijuana reform in particular. It is incumbent upon us to marshal our resources and to make sure we're all on the same page, make sure we're all using the same framing and phrases to push our agenda the best we can and to avoid the mistakes of the past where we unwittingly undermine the agenda of our allies saying things like, we're patients, not criminals, or it's rope, not dope, that imply there's something wrong with the adult use of marijuana if it's not for industrial or medical purposes. I hope that what comes of this Trump administration and this appointment of Jeff Sessions as our attorney general is that all 
all of the cannabis family can coalesce around a shared message to understand that it's one plant, one people, one fight, one love. That nobody in any of the cannabis family gets what they truly want until we all get what we truly deserve. Hemp will continue to be less than 0.3% THC. Medical marijuana will continue to have plant limits and qualifying condition lists and mandatory registries so long as they continue to try to punish those of us who just like to smoke marijuana to get high. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Thanks, podcast listeners. For those of you watching live on RadicalRust.com, we're back with Hour 2 right after this. For everyone here at Delta 9 Studios, I'm Radical Russ. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You're going, you're giant, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seat, you're